Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to An Ounce of Prevention with Women in Distress, and I'm your host, Emily Janice. As they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and that's what this show is all about, building awareness to end domestic violence. And it's December. It's the last month of the year. The folks that know me do know that I don't really get into the holiday spirit until way at the last minute, and I totally own that, but I am really excited to share this conversation that I had with our Associate Director of Development, Events, and Annual Fund, Madison Klein, about one of the favorite times of year that we have here at WID, our holiday toy drive. We talked about that, as well as how the holidays can be impacted by domestic violence, and just some really inspiring and reflective conversation about our work and our role showing up for each other. So we've got a lot of great stuff in store, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Stay tuned. When you give people an opportunity to not hold that shame and just let it go and say, you, you don't have anything to be ashamed about. Like, this is life. This is the awful, awful part of life. This happened to you. Where can we go from here? DV's biggest tool is silence. So when you have so many people who aren't afraid to speak up, what would that look like for a world if we all just watched out for each other? Being open to listening, being open to be that person to speak up and say something. When you feel heard, seen, and felt, it changes you. So thank you, Maddie, so much for being on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Really good. So I know you. We've worked together, but if you could <laughs> tell us, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do at Women in Distress. Sure. So my name is Madison Klein. I'm the Associate Director of Development for Women in Distress. Um, so I oversee our events, our annual fund, our donation drives, a little bit of the thrift store. And then as you know, we work together with volunteers, which is very wonderful. Yeah. And that's so much that we do. I think a lot of people don't realize how much we do in fundraising and working with the community to get folks engaged in our cause, even though we do so much with survivors. I feel like there's so much that needs to be done to keep that going. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really blessed to have the fundraising arm that we do have because I know most other DV shelters are mostly state and government funded and it really restricts what they can do. And as we get into more, as I learn more about domestic violence, it's so complex and there's so many different facets that you need. You need that general fund. So you have wiggle room to help people who need help when that doesn't fit in that box that the grants do. You know, there's a lot of different circumstances, which is why our community Broward is so amazing. We've been around for so long. So much of the wonderful donors that we have, they've been with us for years. Um, and even not doing a ton of marketing because I really don't. It's kind of a blur. People just know about us and they just, we have a really awesome community that comes together. Which is so cool, especially when you think of something like domestic violence. I think we talk so much on this podcast and in our work that like it could be hard to get folks engaged or, you know, because it's a tough topic and obviously we don't want it to exist. Right. And it could be uncomfortable. So the right. fact that, yeah, so many people are already connected to what we do and um, without us really even having to go out and market it really hard is, is incredible. That's actually really cool. Yeah. I think that also speaks to the need because the more people I meet, some people just, they knew someone more often than not, they are that someone and they know how important it is. And uh, so I think before years ago, when we weren't talking about DV so much, now we talk about it more. It's in the news. It's more out there. And I think more people are like, oh, like we can talk about this and I can help. Like. 
I went through that. I would love to help someone. I would have wanted help when I was in that situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that it also speaks to all the ways that people can get involved. And that's really why I wanted you to come on the podcast today, because, um, you know, it's December as we record this, it'll be December when we post this. And obviously that's a really joyful time for a lot of folks, but we talk about things like DV and other hardships that people can go through having the holidays come around doesn't necessarily erase that. And often it makes it a lot heavier um, and tougher. So with what you do in fundraising and, and what we do as an agency to help our survivors, there's a lot that we do here at WID. So I wanted to talk um, a little bit about that. Um, so how do things like the toy drive, or one, can you explain the toy drive a bit and what's going on and yeah. then talk a little bit about why we do it? Yeah, absolutely. So our three major drives are back to school or Thanksgiving and toy drive. And we'll focus on that one. Um, so the holidays... With these economic circumstances, they're hard for everyone, right? Things are getting tighter. Things are changing very rapidly. And even if you don't have DV going in your life, the holidays are wonderful, but they're stressful. If you've lost someone in the past year, the holidays are a reminder. If you spent it with someone who you're not spending it with, even if you're around loving family, it's still stressful, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're going through domestic violence, they don't have a home. They can't, they don't have trees, their kids don't have that same magic. They're sharing it with a hundred other people. And that's just tough. So I think when you can give them joy or take one stressor off them that, hey, regardless of what you have or don't have or what's going on, here's a day or a time that you can celebrate. And here's gifts that came from the community because they care about you and your children. And now you can put that and from Santa, give your kids a gift and a holiday that maybe you wouldn't have. Yeah. And also, I think when we talk about domestic violence, absolutely, it's hard on the victim. When we talk about children in domestic violence, when you think about the ultimate survivors, children are the ultimate survivors. They have no choice. They have no say. Yeah. A lot of times they don't have all the tools to know what's happening, right? right. They just feel it. They Kids are sponges. Mm -hmm. They suck everything in. So even in the environment that we try to make here peaceful and hopeful and loving, you're still dealing with 130 people going through trauma, the worst trauma you could imagine, right? Kids absorb that. So if we can make a kid forget about that for a day or even in the weeks following, DV doesn't stop. Their lives are still going to be hectic. Right. But maybe if they have a teddy bear that comforts them or a bike that they can ride while mom or dad is going through a million different applications mm -hmm. trying to get all the resources they need. Like it's so intensive and kids are just along for the ride and it's so hard to do all of the things at once. So when we give them toys, when we give them some kind of joy or hope or like you're cared about, you're thought about, you matter. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. Yeah. And you feel it in the drives. Like, oh. The way we set it up too was really amazing. Um, we don't have the toys wrapped, so we laid out like a toy store. So we have volunteers, amazing volunteers come in and make it a holiday wonderland. If you've ever seen Elf and the Christmas store, that's what I'm talking about. That's the level. <laughs> and that is not an exaggeration for our listeners. Uh, it really does. It, it The whole room transforms. It's a really magical space to walk into. Yeah. Yeah. So we set it out like a toy shop. So we'll organize toys by age and type. And then we have volunteers there to help the parent shop because it can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then we give them a number of toys they can get or gifts. And then we have volunteers who are with them through the whole process. Like, what is your kid like? What are they interested in? Oh, I saw this over there to help customize and give your kids what you would want if you had all the resources. 
but you have a helping hand and again, someone who cares about you and your children next to you, making it a joyful experience, trying to take out any of the stress that we can and just be in that space where I just love, I just love and joy and hope and all the wonderful things about the holidays is what we try to bring up. That was beautiful. Um, no, and I think so much of what you said captures those like moments of light that we try to provide. I think, like you said, I, I think it can be tough to think about like how the holiday might feel different when you're in a shelter or even for our folks that are in outreach that, you know, may not be in the home that they're used to being in or their, you know, their family looks different this year and, um, you know, circumstances have changed. I think providing just that little bit is great. Yeah. And all the ways that folks can support that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you, you talked about it a little bit and I just want to dive into it a bit more about, um, kind of how the community gets involved, both through the donations and through volunteering, how that helps people feel seen here and, and kind of feel cared about. Can you talk a little bit more about why doing things like that matters for organizations like WID or why giving to organizations like WID matters? Yeah, absolutely. So 87 cents of every dollar we raise goes directly to programs and services. And what that means is we rely on an amazing staff who care about the mission, about the people, about each other. It's such a teamwork environment, but often we need help, right? Um, Each drive requires about 30 to 50, 60 volunteers. That's a big, it's a big lift. I mean, even if we pulled all the staff together for that time, again, services wouldn't be hot. Like things just would stop. And what we don't want to do is stop because the services are important. It's not just about the toys or the gifts or the de-stress. It's also getting into what's going to make you better in the future. And we just need help. And our community is so amazing. We have so much help. So we have the volunteer groups that come in and decorate it and make that holiday wonderland happen. We have the ones who go shopping and it's just everyone coming together. And, you know, they don't do it for the recognition. They don't do it for the pictures. They don't do it because they have to, or because they're getting maybe a day off or time off from their employers. Like they, they're amazing. They come on their own accord and they just readily jump in and without being asked, they go above and beyond. And something, Emily, you do the drives with me. You're really great at saying, like this matters. Pack this backpack, pack this Thanksgiving bag, get these gifts organized like it was for yourself. And the time and attention that goes into it, it's not just us throwing things, right? Yeah. So we do the physical volunteering and then we always have them do cards. And we have several groups who, if you can't donate money or toys or time and you're just stretched, then we get cards all year round. Mm-hmm. And those cards go directly to survivors when they pick up their items to know that it's not just stuff, right? It's easy to get excited about that. It's someone who thought about you. And when you're going through DV and you feel like no one is thinking about you in the right way to have someone say, you matter, your holidays matter, your children matters. Like that's powerful. When's the last time anyone's gotten a handwritten card? It's awesome. Yeah. No. And that's, I know we, we talk about it. Like you said, we mentioned it during the drives and still like thinking about that just like gives me a little bit of goosebumps of just. Yeah. When you think about what DV survivors go through, so many of them do feel isolated. They feel forgotten about. They feel like they're the the problem, you yeah. know? And so for them to know, you know, obviously like, yes, we're staff, we work here, this is the mission of our agency. And it's also bigger than us, you know, and there's folks, there really are folks out there who see you and care about you and don't, that hate that you went through what you went through and want to change it. So that you yeah. don't have to go through that again. And two, when those volunteers come, it's not like we do a whole DV one-on-one or training or anything. They hear a little bit about how we talked about how DV doesn't stop during the DV never stops. 
you don't have an off button. I wish we did. So when six months down the road, if they hear their friends talking or saying something, they now can draw that conclusion and be like, hey, I volunteered at this place. They have some resources. This sounds kind of like a red flag. You know, it's more the more the community is aware, the more we have each other's backs. And DV's biggest tool is silence. So when you have so many people who aren't afraid to speak up, they've heard other people speak about it. They know it's okay. They're okay to now you have a community of advocates. Mm -hmm. And what would that look like for a world if we all just watched out for each other? I love that. I was going to ask this towards the end, but I really want to ask it now. Um, but it's a question I've been asking kind of consistently in a lot of these interviews. And it's something that I, I think, especially just with prevention work, but I, I think it speaks to what you just said. So I kind of want to stay on that. Um, what does a violence-free world look like or feel like? So when I think about a violence-free world, I think about respect. We think about love as respect. I think having enough respect for yourself to say, I don't deserve this. I deserve more. I'm better than this. I wouldn't treat someone like this. Why am I accepting this for myself? Hmm. And I think having the respect for each other that if you're not driving with someone or if they're not behaving the way you think they should behave, maybe that's not your person. So instead of trying to control them and using abuse to do it, have the respect for them and yourself to say, let's go our separate ways. To think just respect in general, like respect for feelings or beliefs or values, Mm -hmm. even if we don't believe in them. We don't have to subscribe to every idea that comes across. Like that's that would be a really, really boring world. So I think it's just having some self-awareness and looking beyond ourselves and having each other's backs. And I think that starts with respect. Because if I don't respect you, I'm not gonna help you. You know? Or I'm not gonna when we look at people higher or lower or Mm -hmm. like we're better than them, it changes the way you behave. Yeah. And I think violence-free world is, yes, stop with the violence, stop with that behavior. But I think it goes way further back into have each other's backs, have respects. Not everyone has to think, believe, breathe like you do. Like we're human beings. There's so many of us. And again, how boring would that be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, 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 you know, what you're saying, I, I feel like you don't even, I think we talk with respect so much about like, you have to earn it, right? Like you have to do things to earn my respect. And like, yeah, we can do things to maintain our respect for each other but yeah there is kind of like an inherent just you exist as a human i respect that and i respect your existence and your beliefs and your values and your dignity just as just because you exist as a person right yeah and then i yeah you're right you don't have to ascribe to every single belief or want every single thing that someone else does even in a partnership you know i think right there's a, that's why compromise exists that's why boundaries and you're still an individual even when you choose to you know be with somebody so i i love that i think that's central so, you know, as other folks hopefully resonate with that too and, and do their own work to ask themselves that question, um, you know, obviously they can get involved with us or sort of learn more about our mission. So in addition to participating and giving during these sorts of drives during the holidays and everything that we've been talking about, how can folks get involved and support WIDS mission and survivors we work with kind of on an ongoing or uh, basis or throughout the year? Yeah, we have a thrift store. Um, when people ask, what do you accept as far donations? Literally almost everything. When you're running a shelter with 136 beds and you have an outreach as well, the amount of survivors we're taking care for is, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And they have diverse needs. So we give our survivors thrift store vouchers. So again, they can go shop for themselves. So we always want to bring that back to empowerment of, we don't want to go and pick out your no home. It's your home. 
It's your room. What's going to make you feel good? What's going to make your family happy? And giving them the option to go and do that. Um, Money, cash is always helpful. Like I said, when we have that general fund, we have so many grants and they're wonderful, but they're so specific. And like we talked about, domestic violence is so broad and we need all the help we can get. I think another great way is to educate yourself. If it's not with our resources, Google is broad, right? There's a lot of really, really amazing information out there. So I think you want to support survivors in general. You need to know what to look for. Mm -hmm. You know, when we start talking about domestic violence and we realize, oh my gosh, it happens to so many people. And when you start kind of pinpointing what domestic violence is and looks like, you just see people's eyes go like, you can physically watch them go, oh, mm. that happened to me. Yeah. Or, yeah. oh, I hurt. Oh, that's domestic violence. That's emotional abuse. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't hit me, but that that's mm-hmm. still, that's why I felt that way. So when you start having people to know what they're looking for, right. because you have to look, right? Everyone wants to be loved. And the world is a hard place to be in. You just want to grab for love. And sometimes that means just going with your feelings and those beautiful rose-colored glasses because you want it to be true. Because at the human level, respect on respect on a human, you just want to be loved. Right. So I think we need to be a little more cautious about that. And mm. what does healthy look like? What doesn't healthy look like? And if you know that, and if you have those things and you start listening and hearing and picking up on things... Even if it's not you giving them a get help card, sometimes it's just validating them. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I think too, when we know things are kind of a little sideways, we don't talk about it. I went through a relationship where I told everyone everything was fine and I convinced myself to my core that everything was fine. I was like, no, this is great. I'm happy. And then when those glasses came off, Emily was actually in core comp that you were teaching me because it was one of those moments where you said some of those things. And I'm like, oh, this is not healthy. But had I had any of those conversations or was a little bit honest with myself or someone to say, hey, they would have said something and they would have been like, Maddie, do you hear that? Do you see that? And there was such a lack of that, I think also from being embarrassed. But I think digging and not getting into your friends or family's businesses, but sometimes it just takes a few poking questions for their eyes to pop open or to say, oh, you're asking me, you know, something's wrong. You care. You care enough to ask me. Right. And what does that mean? Right. And what would that look like if instead of catching people when they have to leave their homes and their lives, if we could catch it before it started. And like I said, had advocates in the community just caring about each other. I think that's really, really important to know what it looks like. I think educating yourself is huge because it's something you're going to see throughout your life. Relationships are important to humans, right? They're always going to happen in a million different ways. So knowing and being open to it, being open to listening, being open to be that person to speak up and say something, when you feel heard, seen, and felt, it changes you. You know, When you give people an opportunity to not hold that shame and just let it go and say, you you don't have anything to be ashamed about. Like, this is life. This is the awful, awful part of life. This happened to you. Where can we go from here? But I think it takes a community and your support system. Support systems are huge to like notice things. Or even when you talk about at work, 
if you're a HR or a boss or just a colleague, like there are clear cut signs that you can, instead of jumping to this employee is, is misbehaving or they're really off their game. Mm-hmm. If you have someone just poking a little bit deeper, could you save a life? And how do people, because this happens, how do people feel when they think and they know when they kind of have that, the vibe and then something happens, but it was too late. And you didn't get that chance to speak up or you didn't get the chance to say anything. And had you spoken up, maybe it would have been different. Maybe it wouldn't have, but you would have had the opportunity to try. And I think that takes a community talking about it, saying it, knowing a resource, a resource, even if it's 711, hey, something, you should call someone. Here's a really good resource with a lot of resources. I think it's us looking out for each other. Sorry, that was really long. <laughs> uh, no apology. Apology not accepted. That was beautiful. I don't even know that I have anything to add to that. I think it was so comprehensive, but also so accessible. I think sometimes, and this is part of the reason we have this podcast, is we want folks to start getting in touch with those questions and know that the goal is not to have every single answer. It's to show up. Yeah. Right. And I think I think so much of what you spoke to resonates with that of it matters that we show up, whether that is through giving a toy during the toy drive or volunteering with us or giving money if you have the resources to do so. Those are all super valuable things. And also whether you do those things or not, you can still be part of this movement to make our communities better and safer and make the folks, even if you're not thinking community capital C, just the folks in your life and your system. Yeah. Um, like you're saying, it's it's that it's those folks that are right around us asking those questions and us even asking those questions of ourselves and our histories. So I, I love what you said. And I think that's such a good thing for our listeners to hear and even for us to reflect on, um, even though we're steeped in this work, I think yeah. you know, those are things that we have to ask ourselves too and kind of be really in touch with. Yeah. And I think you're bringing up, yeah, the big community. Wonderful. But even in your small community. But when you think about that small community, the statistics are one in three women, one in four men. It is more than likely that someone in your small community, your circle, has gone through it, will go through it, or is going through it. So I had someone say to me once, they're like, well, how do you know? I know like a victim or a survivor is like, because it's statistics. Right. And we wish that wasn't true. That's what we're trying to change. But right. The right. With what we know right now, you're right. It's it's just basic statistics. Yeah. Um, and, and I think what you were talking about too, and I, I appreciate you being so open with your own experiences and reflecting on that in the space that Sometimes we don't realize when we're in it, nobody wants to be in an abusive relationship. When nobody wants to come to that realization as friends and family, we don't want to see our friends and family suffer um, and be hurt this way, but especially when it's emotional abuse and it's verbal and it's these more subtle things that we may not be able to pick out right away. We may be able to kind of rationalize, you know, it's, it's really tricky. And so to have someone, even just one person in your corner, you were saying kind of poking and saying, Hey, really, how do you feel about that? You know, does that feel okay? What does that do? Um, even if they don't have any answers for you, it's helping you get to a place where, yeah, you get back to that self-respect of, I really don't deserve this. This really isn't okay. This isn't just this person having a rough yeah. day or this isn't me. I'm not the problem. I'm not overreacting. Yeah. And I think too, it's important on how you approach that. Sure. I think, again, think of yourself going through the worst thing ever or something really uncomfortable. You don't want to be talked at down to, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to tell them, I know what's best for you. Do you, <laughs> you know that, you know? Right. So I think it's just having the non-judgmental, not this is what you need to do, not 
you're in domestic violence and you need to get out right now. Like that doesn't help anyone. That just makes them feel worse. So just opening the conversation and not forcing them because it takes a survivor seven times to leave finally. So imagine the courage it takes just to leave once. You don't want all that. There's already so many expectations and complexities with that. Like you don't need your friends and family screaming at you. Like that's not how they're going to get through to you. It's love and subtlety. And I'm here when you're ready. And sometimes poking a little more when you know it's escalating. Hey, I'm still here. Things are getting, there's a way to go about it that isn't scary and controlling, right? Domestic violence is all about control. You don't ever want to put that on someone else or control how they start leaving or any of their experience. You just want to be that gateway. And that doesn't mean you have to hold their hand through them the whole time. Domestic violence is complex. Not everyone should be acting like they know all the resources or what it is completely. Mm -hmm. So having the the wisdom to know what you don't know and saying, hey, thank you for coming to me with this. I'm here if you want to talk. You need more resources and help that I can give you. And that's okay too. Just because you were the first one to discover it or bring it up, that doesn't mean you're like on the hook for it. That just means you were the starting place and it's okay to pass the baton when it needs to be passed. Yeah. Just being heard and opening that door can save lives, right? Absolutely. Um, so I, I feel like you've already kind of done this, but I'm going to give you a chance to wrap all of that up into a beautiful statement. So if you, you know, we hope that people are obviously listening to this podcast <laughs> that it's growing, but you know, we know, we know not every single person is going to get this exact message, but if you could share one message with every person in Broward County about domestic violence or healthy relationships, what do you want folks to know? I want everyone to know that they are worthy of love and respect and autonomy and to know that a healthy relationship, you have all those things and that you don't have to settle for less and that there are resources out there for if you need them. And we should be respecting and loving and having that kind of attitude. And for all of Broward, just keep your eyes open, like look for it, be aware. Domestic violence exists in a lot of different spaces in a lot of different ways, and it's complex. I think we can really help the community and help each other by knowing what to look for and being aware. And then also at the core, respecting yourself, loving yourself, knowing that you are worthy. If you start there, it's much harder for someone to get to you and take that away. And I think teaching and lifting each other up to all have that same feeling of worthiness so that we don't let it get in. It's a really good starting place. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Beautifully said. And and I hope that will resonate with all of the folks listening. Um, just to shift gears a little bit back to why we're here talking primarily, which is our toy drive, right? Um, can you provide a little bit of information for folks that, you know, this is resonating with that want to get involved? Maybe they start that education. They start to think about how this applies to their own lives and they want to take some action. Can you talk a little bit about how folks can participate or support us, um, especially during our toy drive that's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have, if you go to widbrower.org, you go to our holiday toy drive, there is our flyer and it has links to Amazon and Target and a few other 
general information. Uh, we do have an administrative center that we ask people to drop it off. As much as I would love to play Santa and go pick up all the toys, <laughs> we just don't have the time and resources, which is why the people bringing it to us is so very helpful and so appreciated. Because not only is it their money, it's now their time, transportation, and everything. So it's very, very valued. Um, the guidelines are pretty open. You don't have to buy on that list. One thing we do ask is that no violent toys. So even Nerf guns, toy soldiers, right. those can be great for kids. These kids have had enough violence and we want to keep that away from them. Another very important step is to email me. We have had people coming just here and there, which again is wonderful and we're so grateful. But also it gives me time to be able and be ready to greet the donors and talk to them and Oh, I feel like a kid who see all these Barbies and these toys and I get all excited again. I love that. But I like the heads up so I can be ready. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So we will put the link to that page in the show notes and um, the, Maddie's email address will be there as well as some other contact information. So please do let us know. And if you are able to donate um, or would like to, we, we really appreciate anything you're able to give. Preferably by the 15th because shopping starts on the 18th. That is true. So yeah, the more toys we have available right at the start of our drive when folks are starting to pick it out, the, the better the drive will go and the more that they'll have to choose from. So um, please do organize that by the 15th of December. Thank you. All right. Uh, Maddie, thank you so much. This has been, I know we work together and we get to have these conversations, but um, it's a joy to talk to you and to reflect on these sorts of things. So thanks for spending your time uh, with us today. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for the hard questions. (laughs) (laughs) No softball questions. No softball. Happy holidays, everyone. Be safe. Happy holidays. And we'll see you next year. This episode was brought to you by the Merry Elves on the Education and Prevention Team at Women in Distress, a nonprofit certified domestic violence center in beautiful Broward County, Florida. Special thanks to today's guest with the most sparkling personality, Maddie Klein. Thank you for your insight, your passion, and all you do to support WID's mission and the work to build a better world. Stay in touch for more episodes and perspectives. Until next time, stay well, stay safe, and remember, violence is preventable. For everyone out there, please know that there is help if you or someone you know is experiencing dating violence, domestic abuse, or an unhealthy relationship. To talk to someone and get help, contact your local domestic violence hotline. If you're in Broward County, you can contact Women in Distress. Our crisis hotline is 954-761-1133. You can also contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline wherever you are at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233.